Hello and welcome to Arrest All the Mix. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello everyone, how are you doing? I hope you're all good. I hope you're feeling creative and inspired and I hope you're ready for a great show today because we've got Charles Williams coming up. Uh, from made-up designs, so he's wonderful, awesome, three-dimensional, geometric, isometric, mind-bending illustration and design. It's going to be right in your ears and infecting your mind also today, so get ready for that. Quick thank you to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com. I've been supporting this show since day one. They're my agency. They're representing a hell of a lot of of talented people, um, doing awesome stuff right across the board, fashion illustration, hand lettering illustration, um, specialists all across the board, mural artists, it's all going on, so go and take a look. Um, They do a lot of great work with the industry, with people like the Association of Illustrators, who also support this show, so go and have a look at those guys too. Brand new website, theaoi.com. Heartinternet.co.uk, awesome digital and tech sponsor, doing a hell of a lot of important work. They do hosting, uh, domain names, SEO advice, social media tips, you name it, they, they, they do a lot of important work and they've been supporting this show for a long time now, which is much appreciated, so go and check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. Uh, they give us digital tip every single episode and I thought I'd use today's to reference Charles's awesome work and use of social media and other platforms. So Charles has got quite the following on Behance, um, which for a good reason because his work is awesome. Um... But he uses all the platforms very well, so we talk about that, touch upon that in today's show. But just go and observe the way that Charles kind of spreads across the different platforms, the way he uses the, you know, Instagram, for example, to show off sketches, to get inside the projects. Behance shows off each individual project in great detail, great crops, cuts, zoom-ins, sketches, uh, really kind of gives you a sense of how you can use each platform to, to, do, to do something different, because I think we all feel under pressure to uh, to use everything in every way, and I don't think that's necessarily the way forward. So go and have a look, because um, Charles does it very well, and that is courtesy of Hat Internet.co.uk. Great, great little sponsor. Go and check them out. So Charles Williams made up design. I met Charles. Oh, a little while back, a few years ago, through a mutual friend of ours and first guest actually on this show, Danny Ellison, um, and he went from working with another late night, which was a fanzine in Liverpool um, magazine, him and a friend set up, which he'll tell us about in a little while. And since then, he's progressed to become a fantastic illustrator and uh, and real distinct three-dimensional digital style. But he's going to tell us about how that has its roots in hand-drawn sketches, how everything has to be planned organically. Um if you guys remember Rod Hunt who I had on the show, it was a very similar thing. It had this exclusively digital style, but actually its roots are in a hand-drawn uh, fleshing out of an idea. So it's really quite intriguing and he's going to take us into that process today. Uh, we're going to talk about change. We're going to talk about mimicry. We're going to get under the skin of uh, childhood competitive streaks because Charles, like myself, was a very competitive child. And we're going to get into that and how that actually gave birth to the roots of what became his style that we see today. So all of that good stuff going on. We're going to talk about his work for Adobe, uh, his series of stunning magazine covers that he seems to do quite a lot. It's got quite the impact, quite the uh, the sort of the immediacy that you need in the magazine cover, and uh, Charles does that second to none very, very well. Uh, we've got a number of interruptions by his dog, Maisie, who is awesome, Staffordshire Bull Terrier, so forgive me for leaving that in, but I just thought it really added something to the show. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm biased, because I love dogs. Um, you tell me. Hit us up on the Twitter with feedback as ever, at Arrest All Mimics, on Instagram also. Uh, same handle. If you can hear any clicking at the moment, it's because I've got my own dog sat under the table chewing on a, a length of rope um, aboard a terrier, just making mincemeat of another toy. So, again, apologies for that, but anyone with a freelance dog in the studio will get it and will appreciate it. So, it's for you guys. <laughs> so, cheers for that. What's been going on? Like I said, get the feedback over. Love to hear what you guys have been up to. Get an increasing amount of feedback on the show. Absolutely awesome response for Owen Harvey's photography, his work on subcultures, talking about demonisation, about getting passion into your work and shaping your own direction. So go back and check that out and any other one of the 105 episodes that are now up there. It's uh, it's ever-expanding. We've got some great shows coming up. We've got Malcolm Garrett. We've got Jack Renwick. We've got Jim Sutherland. Oh, man, we've got so many good shows coming up for you. So I hope you're enjoying it as ever. Please let me know on all platforms at Arrest on the Mix on Twitter and the rest of it. Uh, always a joy to hear from you. 
So I've banged on long enough. Um, Want to hear about what you guys are working on? Please do get that audience participation going on. If you get a moment, please do drop a little review on the iTunes. Helps a hell of a lot. I think there's about 18 up there now. So it's growing. People are doing it. So thank you very much if you've already done it. Please go and do it if you haven't. Uh, it really does help the show. So that's about it. Let's get you to it. So I have a conversation in Charles Williams' garden in London. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, so we're kind of at the second sketch stage for that. So we've, they've kind of agreed on an idea. And now we've, we're kind of uh, finessing it and refining mm. the ideas before then going to digital. So that's where work is to do everything on paper first yeah. and then... Yeah, get everything hammered out. I have, paper. I have been kind of yeah, I've been kind of <clears> racking <throat> my mind going through your stuff, just trying to. I always do it. It's part of the fun of looking at your work. It's yeah. trying to think what the fuck does it actually. What does it <laughs> what do? Like, doing? Well, like, like, it's like because it's beautiful and it's finished product, but it looks yeah. it looks so complex, and I always wonder uh, how much kind of client negotiation and not to, not in a patronising way, but how much client education is required to, to, to have them understand your working process because it looks like it might be convoluted. I don't know how accurate. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up because. I don't, it's not really something that ever occurred to me. It probably should have done, but it didn't really occur to me until it was pointed out that maybe I should make it obvious to clients how fast I can work. Because I do work quite fast just because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of incorporated the timescale process into some case studies that are published online just as a way of letting clients know. And okay. my, my agents have also said it's important to let people know mm. that what you're doing isn't... You know, even though it looks very complex, yeah, it can be turned around fairly fast. Not too fast. I mean, well, that's it. Everything still takes time, but for me, it's more the, I guess, the idea stage that takes the most time. That's my. That was my suspicion. I imagine there might be there might be a degree of um, getting it as close as you can to confirm them on the nose before you get going. Yeah, and then I guess you just you have processes in place so that once you do go to create the artwork hopefully you've already got that worked out in a way based on previous projects so mm. it's not too much of a ball ache to actually do it yeah it always is ball ache that's interesting yeah god yeah. <laughs> who am I kidding it's a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> I'm done quitting live picks the sure. most complex style possible <laughs> Word of advice. <laughs> That's interesting that you put that all out there because mm. I know a lot of people can be quite <clears throat> guarded about it. I remember an old lecture of mine saying to me, just give it all away. What about the process? Yeah, he said, he said give it all away. And I, at the time, I didn't quite get what he meant, but he was talking about embracing what you do as being yours and not kind of over-worrying about someone mugging it or running away with it and just kind of moving on forward. So it's interesting that you would put that out there as a breakdown of the but style. You're not really putting it out there as a recipe for how to do it. It's more... yeah. People seem to be interested in hearing yeah. about how these things are created. Um, I didn't think they would be, but I've been told that they are, so that's why I do it. Yeah, you know? I agree. It's like it might, you know, I could probably watch over your shoulder some of your working process, mm. but then for me to go away and do it in the way that you do would would be a fruitless, and be mm. probably take me ten years to get there, or whatever your journey's been in a whole different way. It's pointless, and it's ultimately. pointless as yeah. well. I mean, that's, I got contacted recently by um, a young illustrator from I think he was from India or something and he got in touch and asked me if I would be okay with him creating a portrait in my style and he sent me a preview of, of what he'd done really yeah and he was literally asking me for permission to copy my work <laughs> and I didn't really know what to say at first to be honest because I was a bit like well I haven't got any kind of patent over what I do and you know there's a sort of cross-pollination of ideas going on all the time between artists that's, that you mm. just kind of accept as part and parcel of, of what we do. Part of creativity is yeah. not robbing ideas, but, you know, just learning from each other and there's kind of a... That's how things progress forward, and I think that cross-pollination of ideas is really healthy. I think it, it, that's yeah. what makes work interesting, and also there's like a dialogue going on between different fields and between different mm. designers' work. But for someone to actually literally contact you and say, "Do you mind if I copy work?" Yeah, it was a bit felt a bit different to that. That's so a, I, I, I sort of said to him, <clears throat> "It's not something I'd recommend doing, but you know, I can't tell you not to do it." It feels like some sort of veiled design gangster threat, you know, like <laughs> ringing you up and kind of going, "I'm going to go ahead and do it." It's almost like I just just 
No, actually, I can't say that. I was going to say I've just finished watching Breaking Bad and I was going to reference a certain bit in that, but I can't because I, I would have killed someone who spoiled that for me. But, um, but no, but what, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like that's almost like I'm going to go ahead and do this and I'm going to use your style, but I'm being really polite and asking you about yeah. it to kind of really back you into a corner. That, I'm sure I didn't mean it that way, but that's how I would have kind of received that that comment, you know. Well, initially I looked at it and I thought, well, it's you know it's quite different. But then the more I looked at it, the more I thought, hang on, he's just he's done that, which is exactly that's exactly what I did in that piece, and he's done that, and it just Bizarre. It felt very much like fan art, you know. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I don't know if that's a good way to go about it. Mm. If you're trying to start out, I don't know if that's the best. I've had to send only one or two emails, and, and and again, neither were neither were directly making an effort to do that. But it mm. was a sim- they were. It was very much a compliment, but they were mm. way too close. That's it. I, mean, all, it is, I did actually feel flattered, to be honest, because he was yeah. very he was very polite. Yeah. He was very nice about it. I just think it's good to, like you say, very politely educate them why that's a fruitless avenue to go down. And it depends what you're using it for. If you're literally trying to learn how to use the software by aping someone's style, then fair enough, maybe that's a good way to do it. Mm. If you're doing it as a, way to, as a springboard for your own career in the hope that you can somehow mm. you know, get, get paid to do work based literally on copying someone else's work, I, mean, I don't know about you, but just personally, I feel like being in someone else's shadow is, is, is the antithesis to why I got into this into the creative mm. industry I, don't, mm. I, don't, I can't imagine anything worse than being you know it's like if ever someone said I often get someone as a bit <clears> Stedman and I take that as a huge compliment because mm. I did quite idolise Ralph Stedman but yeah. it doesn't bother me because I'm, I'm, I'm wholly confident and mm. content with where my stuff is and it's so far beyond what he mm. does you know, you know yeah. it does, I don't care I think it's a nice compliment but I know that I'm not that but yeah. if I was that I could, how could you be happy with that it, it's like the opposite of why you'd go into doing what we do Mm. Um, it, it just seems really counterintuitive to approach things that way. Yeah. But I, th- I guess you know, some people. Yeah. Like it takes years and years and years to get to the point where you can say that you're successful as a creative person. I think, even if you say you know some some people are very lucky and they come out of uni, art school, and get picked up by a illustration agency straight away they get mm. published in top design blogs and stuff and that's that's amazing but even people like that have been working away for decades you know that all that life experience that feeds into making their work what it is yeah but you don't just magically come up with that by copying someone else that's uh, u- your unique uh, footprint mm. that's generated by all that life experience and yeah do yeah. you get do you get the with the sort of moments <clears> and <throat> the find these along the way where I don't know what it is, but so you, some days you just get that you get a new sense of where you want to go, mm. uh, that next leap forward. I don't, again, it's a culmination of things over time, but you do get those days where a light bulb just goes off, and then it's like mm. you take it somewhere else, and it's a great mm. feeling. Yeah. Do you get those moments in, in in the way you develop your style? Yeah, um, yeah, I do, and I think that those are really important moments that you need to grasp, and but that you can't force that kind of thing. Absolutely um, not. And I guess being an illustrator, because you have to, part of it is have, holding a style. I mean, I, I'd say that what I do sits between illustration, graphic design, typography. Um, but it's still, you know, I'm still definitely an illustrator to a degree. So style does play a certain amount of importance in that. <clears throat> and so part of one of the prob- one of the downsides to that, I'd say, is that you can get comfortable in a style and it can remove the creativity a little bit. So when you get a briefing, you can already visualise mm. a creative solution to it. I mean, obviously, yeah. conceptually, there's always going to be room for creativity, but in terms of... I'm, I'm very interested in the aesthetic side of it as well. Yeah. Um, and I like to push things a little bit, and I know it's a bit of a no-no if you're a pure illustrator, 100%. You know, changing your style is, isn't something you should do. But because I don't see myself in that way, I feel like I've got a bit more freedom to push mm. things. Like... <clears throat> But you do everything. Everything. I mean, we'll talk about the physical stuff in a bit. But every, I, I, as an outside eye, from mm. what you do and a fan of your work, it's, it all has Charles Williams. It all has that aesthetic. Oh, it all yeah. has your feel. And, I, and this is what I, the reason I asked that because you mentioned there the long, the long term journey thing and that whole like, I guess it's the overnight success thing where they say it takes ten years for a band to be an overnight success. It's very yeah. true. Yeah. And I'm approaching kind of nine years now. But yeah. even now, in many many ways, I feel like I'm starting out. I, I want to always feel that way because it's taken me this long to kind of understand how I respond to things and yeah, what my yeah. creativity is. But even now, I'm only at the like fledgling stage of understanding that, and yeah. I don't think I ever truly will. No, but it's, it's just, frustrating, isn't it? 
yeah, you're never, you're never gonna, at the same time. You're never going to reach that point where you understand no. what you're doing. But that's what being an artist is, isn't it? Doesn't matter yeah. what you've done, matter what you do. I think you should always be. Yeah, it's a life of constantly chas- chasing things and, and never really reaching the goal. <laughs> we probably just killed about like five hundred careers there. <laughs> But, no, no, but it's I, all about the journey. It is, and I see that as a good thing. And yeah. like, if you can't be enjoying that process and finding things out, then what, what are we in it for? Like you say about about becoming formulaic, it's a very dangerous thing to do. I mean, I guess that appeals to some people. If you, you can get to the point where you, you're so successful that you can just churn out the same stuff True. and get paid a shit ton of money. Yeah, fair play. I guess it depends on what you actually care about, but about the, that. The sort of honour side of it. I mean, I don't know. I, I think in some ways I'm more artist than illustrator in, in that respect. But I don't know about, like you say, if some people are thinking, you know what, I found something that's really fast, looks really good, and make a shitload of money and go and enjoy my life, mm. then that's fine as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think with what I do anyway, like part of the commercial success comes from changing things up a little bit mm. all the time. Um, I think that's important for what I do. Yeah. Yeah. What what's that's, what's the backstory then? What's uh, I know I mean, I'm I'm talking. Well, let's go right back. Like, were you creative in your younger years as a kid? A creative family? What? Yeah. Um, so my grandma in a, uh, on my mum's side was an artist, fine artist, but she was kind of an outsider artist. Mm. So she was prolific in the sense that she did a lot of work, but she never had anything. She never had any exhibitions. She never showed her work to anyone, which was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Just did it. Just. Just did it for the love of it, really. Yeah. Um, but we discovered a load of her drawings in the attic uh, recently, and they're amazing. Really interesting, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Mum's um, actually thinking of putting an exhibition on, but I don't think she really grasped the enormity of the task. So. Yeah, I'm just... finding out right now myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so my grandma on my mum's side, and then my mum's quite artistic as well. I remember one of my earliest memories of being a kid was. Um, you know that point when you're a kid when you realise what good art looks like yeah. and you're impressed by it yeah. it, it makes such a profound impact on your brain seeing like an amazing drawing I remember seeing a drawing that like, my mum had a lot of drawings in the house like she's not an artist she's a teacher but she used to, she was a really good draftswoman mm. and um, I remember being blown away by just the skill of what she'd done because I started to notice you know my own ability and how bad it was in relation to her. So it was like, or, or at that point, already slightly competitive. I remember there was competition between me and this lad called James in a primary school. I think we were about seven. And we used to like compete with each other over who could do the best drawings. I wish I still had them, to be honest. And that's good, isn't it? Out of any of my younger stuff. That yeah. Like, yeah. And I remember one day working out how to draw type just using shadows. Uh, which at the time was like mind blowing. I remember thinking I was like such a clever little shit. <laughs> <laughs> and weirdly, I'm still kind of doing the same style now. <laughs> That's really interesting, isn't it? 3D type. There's just something about it. I, there was a lot of that going on in the back of like exercise books, but yeah. to do it well. But did you take pride at doing it well at that point as well? Did you? Did you? Were you? It just felt like magic. Like you're depicting something without drawing the actual type. You're drawing the actual impression that that type makes you know, yeah which sounds really pretentious for a kid to be doing but no but it was going but the, <laughs> i've got this funny image now of you kind of like hunched over for like five <laughs> hours in front of a in one of your images and he was a child like trying to get the, the right kind of thinking Fuck, no it wouldn't it, the shadow wouldn't be that way if the yeah. sun was up here like i could just imagine i don't know if that was the case but that's how i'm picturing it i, I wish it was <laughs> i think it'd be a lot more successful by now but yeah, there were early early typographic leanings, definitely. That's fine. Um, and then I, yeah, I was quite good at art at school, definitely into it. But I think because like my parents are both teachers, so my, my dad's an academic, my mum's an mum was a teacher. Um, so I think I was kind of encouraged. I wasn't discouraged from going to art school, um, but I wasn't necessarily encouraged that it was a good career to go into. Mm. So it didn't really enter my brain that it could be something I could actually pursue. Yeah. until a bit later on so I'd already gone to uni to do linguistics which I really enjoyed uh, to a degree um, I liked the sort of phonetic side of it so like the physical manifestations of language how language is created by mm. the uh, vocal cords and the mouth and how sounds are formed and then the sort of social linguistic side of it where language comes from I found that really fascinating 
then there was a whole other side to it, the scientific side, which just I just couldn't get my head around. Mm. Um, and just wanted to draw pictures, yeah. so I dropped out yeah. and uh, went and did an art foundation. And then yeah. went to Liverpool to do graphic arts. Was that, would you say that was a, a kind of a product of frustration? Because I think it takes balls to make such a switch, but often the only way you can quite commit to that is if you're so pissed off or kind of you've, you really have hit a dead end in, I just, in whatever it is. I felt very, very lost in linguistics. Yeah. It's one of those things where it sounds like a really good idea on paper. And before you actually do, I mean, you, you know, you're 18, 19 years old, you don't really know what you want to do anyway. Nope. And I guess reading reading about what this subject was, it sounded a lot more appealing than the reality. Whereas art was something that I'd always done and always been good at. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I'd never really considered it to be a career. Whereas all of a sudden it was like, why aren't you doing it? And then my family were like, yeah, we're, why haven't you been doing this already? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I, I think that's good, really cool because you you have to arrive at that, you, that decision yourself. Yeah. It's that whole thing of like, yeah. it's that balance in it as a parent. <clears throat> if you if you encourage too much, it becomes that, then that re- becomes mm. something to rebel against. Mm. So you think, well, no, you know what, they want me to do that, so I'm not going to bother. Whereas if you don't get yeah. the encouragement, you might not do it for that reason. So it's a really fine thing to kind of to get right as a parent. So I guess you have to sometimes go and do that thing to realise you don't want to do that, and that's what you do want to do, and I've made that choice, you know? Yeah. And I think as well, I, don't, I mean, I definitely don't regret doing linguistics because there's, there's a kind of a connection there with typography, obviously, which is a different type of examination of the word, yeah. which is, I mean, it's obviously purely visual, but there's definitely connection is there. There's, you know, there's a reason why I was interested in that and why I yeah. ended up doing this. Yeah. So, so it's all part of the journey. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, when, we, when we first met, I think you think you were doing another late night. It was mate through Danny. Uh, yeah. You were working in Liverpool with Memory Serves. Yeah, so I graduated from Liverpool and um, I didn't go straight into the creative industries. I actually got a job at the Home Office in the Accounts Department, mm. uh, which was a barrel of laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> no sarcasm in that statement. Oh, my God. <laughs> My only memory of that was we. I used to smoke back then, and there was a little smoking room. It was back in, you know, it's a long time ago, back when you had smoking rooms at, at places of employment. And uh, me and my mate used to smoke roll ups, so you obviously had a little bit more, you needed a bit more time to uh, to smoke your fag. Yeah. And I remember an email going around the office saying, could all, could all those people smoking roll ups please smoke a bit faster <laughs> to account for the time that you'd spent rolling your cigarette? <laughs> wow! And I remember getting that email and thinking, I don't think this is for me, you know. <laughs> I would love to do a book of epiphanies, like creative epiphanies, yeah. moments like that, really turgid moments that just yeah. destroy something in your brain. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so around that point, um, I, mean, I was obviously desperate to do something a bit more interesting. And a mate of mine said he was thinking of starting a magazine. And I, he, he asked me if I fancied getting involved. And um, I think he asked me to build the website. And I don't think I knew how to do... I, knew, I didn't know anything about how to build a website. The only program I knew how to use was Flash, mm. Macromedia Flash. So I ended up quitting my job and building a website for this guy, 500 quid, and I've never looked back. It's mad, isn't it? I did yeah. a similar thing, recycling calendar for Preston City Council, 900 quid was nice. like a breakthrough thing. It's awful. 900? It was truly awful. It's I big money. Mean. I wish I could kind of get hold of it now because it's disgusting. But like 500 quid sounds ridiculous now, but back then I was living in Liverpool and it was, I think our rent was about 240 quid a month exactly. to live thing. in a Georgian flat in uh, Toxteth. <laughs> so, similar to that. Two months rent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Impressive. That's a that earth shaking amount of money when you're yeah. just trying to pursue freelance yeah. career. Yeah. So, anyway, so we start, and then we started a magazine, um, like a listings magazine to do with music and clubbing and that kind of thing kind of we were, we were quite into Vice magazine at the time and I think we kind of fashioned it a bit on that um, and then did that for a few years and that kind of got bigger and bigger and then it reached a point where it wasn't going to go anywhere further um, and I'd always wanted to live in London um, but I didn't really have any sort of specific ambitions of what I'd do there <laughs> I just thought it'd be a fun place to live mm. um, and my mate was moving down here, so I just moved down with her without a job, and freelance just threw myself into freelance agency work, uh, which was pretty mental, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally different world. The difference between doing like running a magazine with some mates in Liverpool, 
and then working at ad agencies around London. Uh, I mean, it's obviously completely different worlds. Yeah, so it was predominantly advertising agencies. Yeah, I mean, that's where the work was and mm. probably still is in terms of doing freelance work. And we're talking, what, just sort of hard graphic design on something else or did you have any <clears> creativity <throat> within that role? Um, well, I, I ended up working on some quite big projects straight away because I think although the work that I'd done up in Liverpool wasn't for any big brands or anything, it was, um, it was quite, you know, creative freedom. And one of the beauties of work, being able to work on your own with friends is that you can make stuff happen that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Mm. And living in Liverpool as well, where your overheads are so small, it meant that we could be quite creative with it. So I had quite, a, I guess, a diverse portfolio compared to your average designer. Mm. So I ended up getting some quite good gigs down in London um, straight off the bat. I remember doing a campaign for Jim Beam whiskey, mm. uh, like hand-drawn type, straight away. And I, was sat, I remember sat there in a, this big agency two weeks into London thinking, should be harder than this, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, it was a lot harder than that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, It's funny, isn't it? Because you do that. And you, you kind of place these things on the pedestal because it's London, <clears> it's a big name, mm. and it's a big brand. But actually... I think you hit on a really valuable point there about having the space mm. to create this quite diverse portfolio. Mm. Is that something you allow yourself still to do now? Because I know it's really easy and I know a lot of people who lose sight of allowing time for them to develop and to play with the ideas that, that they want to do to move forward. Do you mean do I allow time to explore ideas outside of commercial, commercial job? Work, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean you have to. Yeah. Um, but it's hard, I think it's harder and harder to do as you get older and have less time. And probably you probably prioritise it less, um, but I, yeah, I still try and do it as much as I can. Mm. Um, but should do it more because I'm just a big, I'm such a big believer in the, as the time moves forward that mm. it's those things that you do with a real zest yeah. and a real passion because there's a personal interest that connects yeah. with a bigger audience. You know? I mean, w- one thing that I have done recently, um, which is something I've been meaning to do for a long time, is, is learn Cinema 4D. Um, so in the past, I've tried to, I've approached it, and within about an hour just sort of run away crying because <laughs> it is it's a terrifying program yeah uh for some people for those used to the ease and simplicity of adobe's creative suite yeah cinema 4d is a different world yeah um it's not intuitive it's, it's a massive pain in the arse in a variety of ways yeah but once you get to a certain point with it i think you sort of break the back of it and you get once you get a basic understanding of what you're doing, you can suddenly start being a bit creative with it. Mm. And for me, it was never a case of wanting to make like photorealistic landscapes or, you know. I just I feel like that's a good segue because, having said that, I imagine that's like you said about running away crying. I imagine once you do kind of get lost in that world, the the hours can fly by. But here we yeah. are with a Staffordshire Bull Terrier tearing up. A yeah. plant in Charles's just garden. Destroying my garden. Is that an, is she an essential outlet? She's not actually allowed to do that, but <laughs> um, and to be honest, I've never seen <laughs> never seen her. They've got a good sense of when they can take the piss when you're busy. She, she definitely knows. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good but, time. This is prime time. But as a freelance dog, does she get out of that loop? Yeah, uh, she's yeah, she's a good buddy to have around. Yeah, good little studio dog. Um, so yeah, it was never for me. It was never about learning. Cinema 4D or any 3D program to the point where I could make photorealistic stuff. I'm not really interested in that at all. Mm. Um, it was about being able to do have more control over ideas from a three-dimensional perspective and also look into animation. But I guess working the same style that I've been working with mm. with the static stuff, which is just predominantly using Illustrator. So yeah. um, that's been the challenge for me. It's kind of replicating a style that I've been working on for donkey well nine years, yeah. uh, and then recreating it in Cinema 4D which yeah. it's ambitious I think, I think it's an ambitious move as well because ultimately no doubt when you get there it's going to it's going to kind of blow the lid off and, and really give you a whole new scope of ideas and possibilities well I've started posting some stuff on Instagram um, and then got a job very quickly and it was one of those cases where you don't want to turn the work down because it's an opportunity to do something different mm. but you also don't know how the fuck to do it <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah 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 uh, it was an interesting job Went okay in the end, but Good. when I took it on, I was thinking, "Hmm, this could, this could be, yeah. you know, this could be a real challenge." Yeah, because um, it's such a vast piece of software, like any proper three D program is. You know, there's, there's yeah. so many, so many things that can go wrong, so many factors. You mentioned social media. How's 
what's the response there? Because 3D, I always imagine 3D is quite well received mm. on social media. Do you get do you do you use it a lot? Or do you what what kind of response do you do get? Do I use to your social style? media? Or? Yeah, I guess mm. it's online platforms to kind of shout about your work as, yeah. as that kind of 3D graphic style. Yeah, I seems use, to be something people like. Yeah, I use Instagram a lot for that. Um, I guess Instagram is a place where I don't feel afraid of putting stuff up that's not completely polished and finished mm. and it's you know you can show stuff that you wouldn't necessarily have in your portfolio yeah. or you can show work in progress stuff blah 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 sketches that kind of thing yeah it's, it's fine um, I, like I was saying to you before I, I used to put pictures of Maisie up on there or other stuff outside of you know my design life yeah. like food but then I'd lose followers every time. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't that. it? Yeah. I've been trying to get my head around this. Is like, <clears> what do people want to see from Ben Talon professionally as I put myself out there, you know? It's like, I yeah. guess, you know, I put like a, I put a couple of wrestling, vintage wrestling posters up yesterday. Yeah. But it does kind of tie in because I've, I've... Did you lose followers? I don't think so, no. Oh, right. But I've kind of woven... But the, the, the thing is, it's relevant because I've kind of woven this thread and I work for WWE. Mm. And it, so it kind of... It's only a small mm. step away from... Mm. And it's still design-related, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. tenuous, but it's still within that. Yeah, it's still connected. But I'm still working out yeah. what that spectrum is. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. How far can you push it? Yeah. yeah. I tell students off... Because, uh, I, I mean, the amount of times I've, let's mm. say, I've done a talk and I've been followed. Yeah. And they'll say, designer slash illustrator, student, whatever, and you'll go on, cat, 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 girlfriend, yeah. seascape, and you're like... This is cool, but this is you personally. This isn't, yeah. and then like you, it takes years to get people used to that crossover. And I think people do expect you to have quite a highly curated account um, on Instagram nowadays. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> this is more important. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, is like up there with the. <laughs> Up there with the best pet interventions. <laughs> Ready? Ready? Fitch. Uh, I've had a few good cat interventions, <clears> but I'm very scarce on the dog front, so I'll, I'm enjoying oh, this. Oh, I'm sure the list is a lot of It's a bit of a live wire today. <laughs> so, uh, so I used to use Twitter quite a lot as well, but I think Twitter's changed a lot recently. Now my Trump my uh, my Trump feed my Twitter feed is just Trump. My Trump, <laughs> Trump feed's just Twitter. My Trump feed. <laughs> That's something else, isn't it? We're onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's not talk about that. No, let's not. No, it's, no. it's, uh, it's a rabbit hole. That's not even an episode. That's I'll leave up someone else's podcast. I'll leave the Guardian and stuff. Get him on. Get him on. Oh my God. That's a, that's a question. Would I have him on? I think you would. I would. Yeah. I'd I'd like to have a go at him actually. I'd like to get him on and have, have a little tussle. So if he ever listens, come and have it, Donald. I bet he does. <laughs> so yeah, so, I used to use Twitter a lot more, and then um, but I used to use it for just like posting terrible jokes and puns all the time. I think a lot of people did that. Remember, it used to be quite just loads of terrible jokes on Twitter. It doesn't seem to be like that anymore. No, I've stopped doing it. Yeah. I just post work on there every now and then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I or retweet wish. political stuff, you know? Yeah. I can't help it sometimes. Like, really agree with that. I want to let people know that I do too. And then you think, well, I'm operating as a, as a brand, really, mm. as a studio. I do. Wish, I wish almost sometimes that I could wipe the slate and just pick one to mm. master, you know, just go mm. one platform, mm. could have mastered that, and, and do it. Because I do find it a bit, a bit of a stress sometimes, especially running this show. It's like, mm. you know, because I do the writing, I do the podcasting, and do the illustration. It's kind of. Mm. It's a lot at times. It does feel like a bit of a burden every now and again. But for the mm. most part, I enjoy it because I'm quite playful with it. But it's mm. just sometimes it does distract me from the creativity. What social media? A little side. bit. Yeah. yeah, just because I'm doing this show and I have things. I actually have things that I have to drive. You know, mm. it's, it's not just about me. I wouldn't be on it half as much if it was just me. I've had moments when I've been designing something um, for no particular reason, and I've thought, "How will I make this look best on Instagram?" And I've had to stop myself from thinking that because it's like it's that's not an, that shouldn't be the end. Again, that's a very good point. I wonder how many people do think, I do think a lot of people make do decisions that. based on well, that. I mean, that, that does have a positive side as well because there's some creative ventures that exist only on Instagram that have turned into massive um, creative outlets, like the um, 36 Days of Type project. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's that's basically came from Instagram where mm. they um, they got different typographers to, to contribute letters mm. every letter of the alphabet and then. That got bigger and bigger until the point where they had a massive exhibition in Barcelona last year. Fantastic. Uh, and I was involved in that, which is obviously great. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But generally, I don't think it's a good thing to just produce work because you want to get likes on Instagram. No, 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 no. It's the wrong, again, it's the wrong reason, isn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it feels great. Don't get yeah. It goes back to creating just to make money. It's like, there's, you can do it and you can pull it off cool and you know, if you're happy with that. But if you're really quite, if you're a true creative, are you, you know, you it's want hard to. Though, it's hard to separate yourself from where the work's going. I find that very difficult. And it's, I got into doing a drawing every day a few months ago. I, don't, I haven't been doing that for a long time, but I think about six months ago I was trying to draw every morning, so I'd force myself, as soon as I got out of bed, go to my desk and do some sketching mm. uh, for no other reason than just, just to sort of, you know, get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. But then you couldn't help start thinking, oh, uh, this, you know, how shall I put it on Instagram? How shall I frame it when I put it on Instagram? As you're doing it all. Yeah. You know, and it, does distract you it does interfere a bit with the creative process sometimes that's really quite interesting yeah mm. yeah I'm, try- I'm going through a phase at the minute of trying to make it work for me again you know like mm. rather than as a you know it's just it's another area to share things about but again mm. you know you yeah it's important not to let that take over and mm. um, so the so typographic it's like you, you well, you've done editorial stuff too portrait so some really nice animal work that i like that you did oh yeah um how much what, I mean, percentage-wise, it's probably predominantly type that you do. Are you happy? Yeah. Is that a conscious decision? Or do you, do you want to diversify more? You... Um, it's a difficult one, that. Because I don't really feel a preference towards any particular subject matter. Mm. Um, I'd say the thing I enjoy least is getting a commission where the client asks specifically for me to create a piece in the style of something I've done before. Mm. Um, I think that's quite a common complaint for us yeah. for what we do yeah. people who do what we do yeah. um, but in terms of subject matter I don't really I'm, I'm not really that fussed to be honest I love doing type Yeah. I think there's something about working with type that allows a certain type of creativity mm-hmm. um, I think it frees you up conceptually to do something different every time Yeah. whereas when I'm doing illustration stuff I feel like I have to work within a certain stylistic mm. way like I don't because you've kind of been given the subject matter to communicate with the illustration, whereas with type, you're using the sort of the concept comes from the word. Sorry, my dog's just <laughs> taking my gun to bits. <laughs> Come. <laughs> what are you doing? Because it, there's something about the typographic that it's Oops. such a. You've got some cracking magazine covers. Um, Thanks, mate. And they're, I know they really are quite impactful, and I can see there's a certain there's such a range within within your work. Of styles and colour palettes, and, and you know, if you've got, if you if you appreciate the nuances, there's such a great range. But as for, I'll tell you what, for, for a magazine cover, there's a certain. It's like advertising. There's a certain safety in in photography, typographic pieces. I find that that you and and another one, Danny Allison, actually, as someone who who has that photographic element within his work, mm. there's a certain anchor point for people who have maybe have the fear of something that's going to be entirely illustrative and conceptual. Mm. Mm. Do you find that is an advantage? Um, in in that sense, do you get a lot of advertising work as well as typographic stuff? Um, yeah, I'd say the bulk of my work is okay. So I get quite a lot of editorial stuff, but that's mostly in the form of covers, mm-hmm. which is great because I love doing magazine covers. I think great, aren't they? yeah, never get bored of doing. No, that. they never get boring, do they? Um, working on one at the moment actually that's um, kind of related to Trump and to the environment. Um, which I'm really enjoying because it's quite rare that you get to do something that is uh, resonates with something that you believe in outside of design. You know? Yeah, good show. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean it would be it'd be nice to do that all the time. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, when like when I first started out, I, I remember wanting to just focus on doing stuff that was to do with stuff that I believed in. You know, uh, working for charities and working on social marketing campaigns. In fact, I'd, my last proper job, proper job was working at a, uh, an agency, a design agency that just did, they only worked with like NGOs and charities and that kind of thing. But they were terrible. They were terrible. In what respect? <laughs> just the, the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is it, I mean, the, 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 but the thing is, again, it's, it's... They had the heart in the right place, though, which was... Yeah. It was, well, yeah. That, isn't that, that's the thing, isn't it? And I, I, I was speaking to Ken Garland, actually, on the show. Mm. He was a hero of mine. He's, mm. Ken's in his 80s now. I wrote about him my dissertation about the first mm. things first manifesto and oh yeah he was the first one to say that he wrote a piece actually saying appreciation for his commercial clients over yeah. the years because they enabled him 
to go and do that stuff and to go and do them kind of jobs mm. by paying his bills and his rent and you have to be realistic don't you mm. I think when you get a bit older you suddenly think actually I can't just be this kind of eco militant whatever it is you want to be and I don't get me wrong I've been there and, and I still am there there's a, lot that's, uh, there's a lot that's angering me in the world at the minute mm. that I would love to spend more time on but you have to be smart about how you finance that how you create your your reputation to enable you to do those things I think you lose a bit of that idealism as, idealism as well when you get a bit older when you start to question whether a beautifully designed poster is really going to do that much to um, change people's opinions mm-hmm. when you look at the sort of opinions that you're trying to change and where those opinions are coming from mm. is how much is a tastefully designed poster going to impact things I'm not saying it won't but yes. I guess you, when you're younger you, you believe quite wholeheartedly in the power of these things mm. um, and maybe, maybe you get a bit cynical when you get older yeah yeah, no, it's very true. I think you have to be more clever about how you kind of. It is. It's, that's a communication challenge, though, isn't it? It's, yeah. how, it's how you speak to the people you want to reach, and you kind of you have to be quite subversive sometimes, and, yeah. and kind of play on their level almost. It's quite. Yeah. I'm finding this more and more. It's, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a whole new thread on the start. And again, like I said, after nine years, it's like yeah. back to the start, down the big snake again. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a post the other day that made me laugh. It was like this really beautiful geometric composition, and then underneath it said, "That's cute. Now go out and fucking vote." <laughs> and that that's just summed, really it, clever. summed that's it up really and I'd not seen it before and it was I think it was a couple of years old mm. um, that's very smart really beautifully done yeah that's summed that. it up I like that that's fantastic actually yeah very good idea it's all about yeah it's, it's the ideas that's what a piece of work me. that's taking the piss out of itself yeah. and communicating a message and it looked good as well yeah. typesetting was great I love that oh, so many layers whoever's sure done that's probably really quite proud and they should be they should be yeah yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> so I, I really liked the um, the Cam's Lion piece that you did oh the Adobe stuff yeah, yeah. yeah tell us about cheers. that brief a little bit if you don't mind I think I just think it's a great project uh, uh, to talk about yeah so I was quite lucky to get asked to do that um, they asked me and I think seven other artists to create a portrait using data so it's for a campaign called uh, Data Inspired Creatively Driven or something maybe the other way around I can't remember exactly but the idea was basically to create a portrait using data, um, and we provide we were given a subject and data to do with that subject. And when I say data, I just mean facts, publicly uh, available stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then we were basically had to come up with a way of communicating that person through type. Mm. Um, and I'd already been work. This was an example of kind of taking an idea that I'd come up with in my spare time and then applying it to a commercial project, which often. You, as you're probably aware, that does, that doesn't necessarily work out how you want it to. No. Maybe you put forward an idea that you've just come up with that you think's amazing, and the client will pick the style that you've done yeah. several times over the idea. Yeah. But luckily, in this for this project, which is great because it's such a big big client, um, they picked this idea of using like um, sort of spherical rotated type. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of went to town on that really. Drew it all by hand, which was a ball ache, but I uh, was quite pleased with how it came out in the end. Really, mm. the client was very happy as well. Yeah, because um, you do you do use a um, you do use a number of for something that looks often very digital in its final outcome. You do use a lot of kind of your sketches seem to be quite. Yeah, if I don't sketch out in detail beforehand, sure. then I can't really. I don't think the end pieces is good mm. I think it really shows and there's a brief where you printed it off in acetate and kind of curled it over and then photographed the type and then it had gone back into it gone through this whole analogue process and yeah, come I mean, back into was, a digital world yeah, that was, what that a really, really interesting way of doing things yeah um, again that came about just from the frustration of wanting to, knowing what I wanted to achieve visually and not having the 3D knowledge to do it using a programme and just thinking yeah. well hang on I can just you know, yeah. print it out and yeah. use my hands. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of a result of my stupidity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Realising my own limitations, like, yeah. I can't be arsed in that software. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it is so good, it's it good just using, to work out problem yeah. solved on a really an- an archaic level, I think. And then the end result means that you end up with something quite organic and, yeah. you know, what's the word? And accurate as well, math- you know, mathematically accurate because yeah, it's and, what it is. It's yeah, and it is what it is, yeah. There's no there's no cheating going on there. You're not trying to mimic life. You, it's it's real. Yeah. And one of my, um, probably my favourite designer who I look up to is an Italian called Franco Grignani, mm. who's had a couple of exhibitions recently in London, but I've always, well, as long as I've been aware of him, I've been a big fan of his work. 
and he was creating stuff back in the 60s and 70s mm. um, maybe a bit later as well but he was obviously doing stuff before computers were around Yeah, and he created everything by hand use it maze come on leave that <laughs> leave the rosemary alone lavender <laughs> sorry leave the lavender he was creating stuff obviously by hand because he had to Yeah, but the work doesn't suffer for that at all there's no there's no weakness in the work because it's created by hand in fact mm. it's the opposite yeah, yeah. And you'll see often designers, including myself, who you can see are definitely inspired by the type of work he does. And I don't think there's any, I don't think I've ever created anything anywhere near as sort of beautifully simple and striking mm. as the work that he was doing. Um, you know, it stands the test of time because I don't know, he just got something right and wasn't afraid to explore new ideas mm. and be incredibly creative in, in the way he executed them as well yeah and must have had an insane amount of patience as well yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean and again you know going back to your stuff one of my, my, your favourite pieces is Heart Felt which uh, if I'm right in thinking it was felt on pins at various levels so that, yeah that's when I was really into puns back then so Heart Felt oh, <laughs> Heart Felt <laughs> but, put a, but put aside it, it, again there seems to be a certain fearlessness in the way you, you are prepared to explore different methods and you're not you're not boxed into this one way of working you know I think that's quite bold and says a lot actually about growing and developing which you have a, yeah. a, a lot over the years yeah cheers man yeah well I think with that piece I was doing a lot of stuff in Illustrator using kind of geometric pattern work mm. um, and I like to sort of create depth between the various areas of the, areas of the pattern and creating, creating it by hand out of felt was a, that gave me an opportunity to add all these different layers mm. it's some, I meant to do loads of, a whole series in that style but I never got around to it I think yeah. that particular piece took about two weeks to make Yeah, um, and I think it, I just had a bit of downtime Yeah, you know, oh, I've, got, I've got this whole cache of started not aborted yeah. but started and put on whole projects where I had this yeah. wonderful and but still in love with the idea it's just mm. that you have to find you have to just wait for the opportunities in the right yeah. time when you're really feeling it to do those things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so what's going on moving forward have you got anything in the pipeline that you can talk about anything cool or plans uh, so yeah just the working on the animation stuff at the moment and trying to integrate that with everything else that's mm. that's what I'm doing currently yeah it's going to be quite fascinating to see how your stuff animates, actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've seen the stuff I put on Instagram. There's no. a few little animated pieces that I put on there. Oh, okay. N- nothing that complicated and just very short, like six seconds max. Yeah. But um, for me, it's been really, really interesting and quite encouraging to get to the point where I am now quite fast. Basically, yeah. I had an operation um, on my hip back in July as a result of cycling too much. I'm quite a keen cyclist, so um, I had a lot of downtime. So I thought I might as well put it to good use, and that's when I learned Cinema 4D. Yeah, because I basically had no nothing to do. Yeah, and got bored of Netflix. <laughs> is this, this going to be your equivalent of um, Noel Gallagher breaking his foot and writing definitely maybe? Basically, yeah. Did <laughs> yeah. it here first. Brilliant. Well, so the last question I ask everyone from the show, I'm calling Shark in the Tank, is a lesson for a love and a hate within the creative realm, within creativity, or a positive and a negative. It can be as serious or as playful as you like, and it's a very on-the-spot question. That is, you definitely put me on the spot there, <laughs> which I hate. It gets the best response. I hate being put on the spot. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. That's it. You've, you've won. No. You've won that segment. I might have no. to end it there. No, I actually don't mind it. Um, just give me a second. <laughs> Uh, I guess I don't like it when I like it when people are quite uh, people are honest. I value honesty in any aspect of life, and um, I guess if people are honest with the work they're doing, um, like we were talking before about how things take a long time. It takes a long time to get to a certain point. Mm. I think that. That comes about from being honest with yourself about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, I guess I just don't like any kind of uh, a sort of dishonest approach where you're just faking it and mm. cheating in a way. Yeah, because yeah. it's what's beautiful, isn't it, about creativity? Is that it's somebody's own product of their journey. You know, that's what's that's what's for me. Yeah. That's what's so seductive. I love that seeing what other people make of the world around them. Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't like it when you see a lot of the same sort of work as well. That, that does my head in. Yeah. But, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, it's, that's the way style works, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with certain, that. Certain styles get popular, but yeah. it's, just, it's just not very interesting. No, that's very true. Um, what do I love? Uh, I love my dog. <laughs> I love cycling. I love my Aeropress. <laughs> I love it. There's, I love uh, every now and again. Just someone just does trump me with like a really kind of basic but brilliant answer to that question. I think in terms of what do I love in, in the industry? I don't know. It's, it's a job, isn't it? And so I guess we've hit on a lot of ask, things. People think we? you're passionate about. Like people ask me what you know. I must be really passionate about type and what's my favourite font. Or they probably ask you the same thing. I don't know. I feel quite like it's quite sort of perfunctory really it's um, it's your job yeah. so you don't necessarily feel 100% passionate about it all the time it's no as, as, as in any other job there, is, there are certainly many days when I can't be asked getting out of bed yeah. and I'm sat on that train thinking I'm not feeling today at all and people forget that when they look at people's websites yeah. and you know but you, probably are, you probably are passionate about it 100% of the time but you just don't associate it with the feeling of passion no passion something that is meant to stand out it's like an anomaly in your daily experience and that's why it stands out well uh, and lastly where can people find your work <clears throat> uh, so my site is madeup.org and you can find me on instagram at instagram.com forward slash this is made up and that's it really I'm on facebook but I don't really use it so there's no point going on there <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> ditto twitter brilliant yeah. well cheers for your time no worries Ben cheers All mate alright Thank you so much to Charles um, and the little cameo there from his studio dog, Maisie. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Deep conversation, um, really interesting story, right, from Charles's journey, and I hope you took something from it. Uh, get us your feedback on the show, please, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all under at Arrest or Mimix. Uh, always very valued to hear from you guys. also want to know what you guys are working on. Tell me what's going on, because if there's interesting angles and any, any of this stuff, then I might end up having you on the show if that's your thing. Uh, it's happened before, it'll happen again. Uh, don't be shy, come forward, tell us what's going on and share any suggestions you've got for people you'd like to hear from on the show, because that often triggers episodes also. Um, what's going on, what's going on? Uh, I've gone blank, I can't think. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed all that. We've got Jack Renwick coming up from uh, Jack, Re- Jack Renwick Studio. Very inspiring lady doing wonderful work in the industry at the moment. We've got Studio Sutherland, Jim Sutherland coming up. Malcolm Garrett. Um, it's all going on. We've got many, many impressive, amazing guests. And I want to keep that flow going. So like I said, get the suggestions over. Uh, thank you to the wonderful sponsors. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and the Association of Illustrators over at theaoi.com. Cheers for listening, guys, as ever. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. I put a lot of work into doing this show. And I know it's a little rough around the edges sometimes, dog interventions and all that stuff. But that's what it is. It's very... uh, I'm an illustrator at the end of the day, so this stuff's got to be pretty punk, otherwise it's just not going to fly. This is not the BBC, and it never will be, unfortunately. So there you go. I hope you love it in spite of all that. Cheers again, guys. It really does mean a lot, and I'll see you next time. Take care.